0: Before I get into the message this morning, uh, let me mention several things. First, I would be amiss uh, not to thank uh, the church family for uh, last weekend. Uh, For the sake of our guest, uh, last weekend our church hosted uh, a National Pregnancy Center conference. We had well over 400 guests with us Friday, Saturday, and uh, Sunday Uh, We uh, fed them, we uh, encouraged them, we uh, strengthened them, and uh, this conference would not have been possible without our entire church family being involved. Uh, Many of you were serving meals, you were helping with decorations, Uh, many of you of course sang in the uh, choir in the Friday night uh, presentation, I mean I could go on and on and on, uh, the various ways that you became involved. But bottom line, as I just mentioned, it would not have been possible without this entire church family coming together. And once again, you stepped to the plate. Once again, you accepted the challenge and you met that challenge. And, and as your pastor, I just want to thank you. And I just want you to know we had a, a wonderful conference. This is the, it was the 18th conference that we have hosted uh, it was definitely one of the better conferences that we had ever experienced, just in terms of spiritual blessing. We just saw God uh, anoint in a marvelous way all of the sessions, and uh, and uh, God truly brought a time of great spiritual refreshing, a renewal, and revival. And so, uh, again, thank you for making that possible. And then uh, two other things. Uh, these are challenges that... Uh, uh, will be issued in the month of April, uh, right after uh, Easter, the last three Sundays in April. And the first relates to our nursery. I don't know if you're all aware of the fact, but we are having a uh, growth boom in our nursery, which is a very uh, good thing in our preschool area, from bed babies through, you know, three, four, five year olds. And matter of fact, between now and September, I think at the last count, uh, there are 15, 16 babies due between now and September. Uh, new babies. Yes, we're we're thankful for that. That's a that's a good thing. And so we're very, very thankful for the growth that we're seeing in our preschool area. But of course, that presents. Uh, needs as well and one of the biggest needs is during uh, this worship time the extended what we call the extended session time uh, providing adequate nursery coverage I'm just letting you know uh, those last three Sundays in April we're going to put a lot of emphasis on that area and we're going to look to invest to enlist a number of new folks uh, to get involved and just to sign up for uh, one Sunday uh, out of, I forget what the cycle is, it's six, seven, eight weeks, where you would just serve once every six, seven, eight weeks. And, uh, of course, more people we have, the more extended that cycle can be. And this is something uh, where from uh, you know, our younger adults all the way through our senior adults can become involved. So we're very excited about that. The second challenge uh, relates to the sanctuary where you are seated now. Most of you are aware of this fact, but if you're not... Uh, we have uh, had a tremendous uh, problem arise with our roof and uh, with uh, numerous leaks. You know, uh, you may not be aware of this fact. We moved into this sanctuary in 1980, and uh, that is the original roof. It's the original air conditioning units up there on the roof as well. And what has happened, what has created the problem, Those there are two Huge air conditioning units, I think uh James would have to help me, but I think they're around seven, eight tons apiece, and those air conditioning units have settled, and that is what is what has created the problem. Uh, we have numerous leaks, and you know over the years we've done a lot of repair work, but now it's to the place where it it just cannot be repaired. The only option we have is to redo the roof. And with the redoing of the roof, that also means we have to replace those two air conditioning units as well. And uh, uh, that entire amount of work will cost us right at $100,000. And uh, we already have the uh, uh, contractors that have been selected. We put out bids. We have that. So uh, we're ready to do the work as soon as we have the money. And uh, that's where the challenge comes in. But here's the exciting thing. Uh, We have been committed a $50,000 matching gift. So an individual has come forward and they have given a $50,000 matching gift. And I think you understand how that works. Uh, For every dollar we give, you give, uh, they will match that up to $50,000. So uh, during those last three weeks in April, if we can raise $50,000 with the matching gift, we have enough to complete the work. Uh, to have a, a new roof, to have a new air conditioning units that will serve us much better than these old ones we have now. And, and in the long run will actually save us much, much more money uh, with the newer technology today. So I'm just putting that out before you so you can begin to pray. Uh, You can begin to think about that. Those two challenges, the nursery area and then uh, the roof as well. Okay, I hope you uh, picked up a copy of your uh, sermon uh, notes as we uh, continue our study of the book of Hebrews that has taken us now into uh, chapter 11. I believe this is probably about the 30th message that I've shared with you from the book of Hebrews. And of course, the 11th chapter is known as the great Hall of Fame of Faith. And this morning, I will finish the message that I began two weeks ago entitled, It's a Boy. And of course, referring to the birth of Isaac uh, to Abraham and Sarah. So let's read first our uh, focal passage, which is Hebrews chapter 11. Turn your Bible to your in your Bibles there. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. And then I want us to turn over to Romans 4. So you need to have both of those chapters ready. Hebrews 11. We'll first read verses 11 and 12, and then we'll correlate that with Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. So the Hebrews 11 passage first. Verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life. How old was Sarah when she gave birth to Isaac? She was 90 years of age. Abraham was 100, and she had been infertile her entire life. And of course, she was beyond child-rearing age at this time. Her womb was as good as dead. And Abraham, being a man of a hundred years, had uh, lost his human ability uh, to uh, bring uh, conception. Uh, But as they trusted God, he did a miracle. So again, by faith, Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore also there was born of one man, and him as good as dead, at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And then turn over to Romans chapter 4, just a good passage to correlate with Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 17, this entire section that I'm going to read, of course, refers to Abraham and his faith in God to provide the promised son. As it is written, verse 17, a father of many nations have I made you. That was God's promise to Abraham. In the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist, in hope Against hope, he, Abraham, believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. But grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what he, God had promised, he was able also to perform. Now you can see in your sermon notes that uh, this message is divided into two parts. Uh, First, what the Old Testament narrative in the book of Genesis uh, teaches us uh, concerning faith about Isaac's birth. And then the second part is on what the New Testament commentary, these two passages we just read, uh, teaches us about faith. Now, under each of these two parts, you'll notice you'll find three truths. Now, two weeks ago, we only had time to look at the first two truths under the Old Testament narrative on Isaac's birth. So what I want to do is, is just quickly review the material that we covered two weeks ago, and then we want to work our way through the remainder of uh, the sermon notes, remainder of this message. So uh, look with me now again at what the Old Testament narrative on Isaac's birth teaches about faith. And you find that narrative in Genesis chapter 15 through 21. And the first truth that we saw two weeks ago relates the dangers of presumptuous faith. Impatience. Impatience leads to rationalization. And rationalization leads to foolish plans whenever we try to accomplish God's will our way. When you run ahead of God, watch out. So the first thing we learn from Abraham and Sarah is really a negative lesson. If you're familiar with the narrative uh, that we discussed two weeks ago, uh, God had promised them a son. But Abraham and Sarah became what? Very impatient as they waited on God. They were not getting any younger. And in their impatience, they took their eyes off of God and they developed a very foolish plan. And you remember what that plan was. Sarah had a uh, young uh, handmaid, a woman by the name of Hagar. And they decided that they would use Hagar as a surrogate, mother that uh, Abraham would impregnate Hagar and through uh, that birth the son would be provided the son of promise and as I shared with you although such a practice was acceptable in biblical days in the culture in which they lived often the social norms of our day are not in harmony with what God's holiness and morality and so what they actually did Uh, in their impatience was to rationalize what adultery and uh, and to create this promised child and then of course we talked about all the problems that created because of course hagar gave birth to who ishmael and of course ishmael was the father of all of the uh, arab nations and of course you know the conflict that has existed uh, to this very day we 're viewing it right now in the Middle East between the arabs and the and the Jews, the immense hostility and enmity between the between the two uh groups. now, we discussed the fact that there is nothing more difficult in the Christian life than to what wait on God. I think we would all admit that there's nothing more difficult than to wait on God. To fulfill a promise that you believe He's given you or to wait on God to come through for you in a time of crisis. And like Sarah and Abraham, we too tend to become very impatient. And as we become impatient, we become eaten up with worry. We become uh, eaten up with fear as we take our eyes off of God and place them on our circumstances. We also saw two weeks ago that it is during this waiting period that we experience the most vicious attacks of the devil. As he begins to whisper in our ears, God has forgotten you. God doesn't care for you. Therefore, you need to take matters into your own hands. Now, how can we avoid Uh, The same mistake that Abraham and Sarah made. Well, first, and again, this is all review. First, recognize that God never, never, ever leads through impatience, worry, and fear. Those things only serve to what? Remove God from the picture. These are all instruments of the devil. So I need to develop the maturity as a believer to understand that when I begin to be unsettled with impatience, or I begin to worry, fret, that's not God at work, that's the devil at work to try to ta- help me to try to make me take my eyes off of the Lord and place them on my circumstances. God leads through what? Faith. And faith alone. And what is faith? We've already seen it throughout this study. Faith is confidence in God. Confidence in God to keep His promises. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 6 through 9. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. And don't miss this next phrase. That He may exalt you at the what? Proper time. God has a perfect Timing in fulfilling his promises. He has a perfect timing to deliver you from your crisis, from your adversity. So he says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may exalt you at that proper time. Notice, casting all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And then it says, but be of sober spirit. Because what? Your adversary, the devil. See, there are two powers at work during that waiting period. Two powers at work when you're going through crisis and adversity. God's at work, but also the devil is at work. And it says your adversary, he prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's trying to create fear in your heart. But it says resist him. And how are we to resist him? Firm in your heart. Faith, your confidence in God to keep His promises. So first, recognize God simply never leads through impatience, fret, or worry. Second, reflect on God's promises and look to God in prayer. We looked at a precious verse out of Isaiah chapter 30. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, Only in returning to me... And resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. When the pressure cooker is about to blow up inside you, get alone with God. Get quiet before God. And reflect on His promises because it is in God's presence that you will find the confidence to maintain your trust in God. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 from the paraphrase the message. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. See, you have a choice. All worry is, is what? Meditating on your problem. But what does what is prayer? It's meditating on what? God. So take your eyes off the size of your problem and start meditating on the size of your God. Offer your inability onto his what? Ability. He says let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Amen? Amen. So first, recognize God never leads through impatience, fear, or worry. Reflect on God's promises and look to God in prayer. And then third, remember the consequences of not waiting on God. In other words, think how a poor decision could impact you, your loved ones, and others. The ramifications of Abraham and Sarah's well-meaning it was well meaning they they were they were trying to help god out but that well meaning but terrible decision was more devastating than anything they could have ever imagined and we're suffering the consequences to this very day now lesson number 2 lesson number 2 god is never in a hurry but he's never late that's the second lesson we learn. God is never in a hurry, but he's never late. 25 years passed from the time God gave the promise and when he fulfilled the promise through the birth of Isaac. I love what it says in Genesis 21 two. It says, so Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And I love this next phrase, at the appointed time. At the appointed time. You see, God, as we saw two weeks ago, does not operate on our timetable. He is not ruled or pressured by watches and clocks or appointment books. His promises are timeless. And they are fulfilled more by the obedience of our faith than by our calendars. And and why, why from our perspective, does God often delay the fulfillment of his promise? Well, folks, if there were no delay, there would be no opportunity for character development. It's in that waiting period. It's in that tough time that, what, you develop the steel of character, of godly character. And if there would be no delay, there would be no opportunity to learn that the giver is greater than his what? His gifts. And if there were no delay, there would be no opportunity to learn a persevering love. And this takes us right to the third truth. And from this point on, it's all new material. That was review, and now this is new material. This takes us right to the third truth. We learn about faith from the Old Testament narrative. And I just put it this way. Please be patient, because God is not finished with me yet. And that next statement is the key. The development of the child of God's faith is as important as the fulfillment of God's promise. Let me state state that again. It's such an important truth to grab hold of. The development of the child of God's faith is as important as the fulfillment of God's promise. Now, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not to say that the fulfillment of the promise is not important to God. It is. God is a God of integrity. He will fulfill His promise. You can count on it. You can bank on it. All we're saying is is that God, from our perspective, will delay the fulfillment so that you, as you wait on God, have the opportunity to develop your faith and your relationship with Him. What is the most significant statement in the Bible made about Abraham and his relationship with God? That is a question. Anybody want to take a stab at it? Huh? Faithful? Probably the greatest statement that the Bible makes concerning Abraham's relationship with God. And this this is mind-boggling. It says, Abraham was the friend of God. Abraham was the friend of God. Now, just think about that a minute. Abraham was the friend of God. Now, a friend is someone you are what? Familiar with. Someone you know closely. A true friend is someone you are totally transparent with. Someone you feel free to share what is most important to you with. You share your plans with your friends. You want their perspective on their plans. And you invite them to come along and be a part of it all. A true friend is someone you count on. Someone you trust without doubt. And Abraham is called the friend of God. And my point is this. Beloved, that didn't happen overnight. It takes time to develop a friendship. On any level, human level, not to mention a friendship with God. And when do you think Abraham developed that friendship? When do you think Abraham developed that intimacy with God? It was during those 25 long, difficult years of waiting. And think about your relationship with God. Just think, reflect on your past relationship. When were the times where you learned most about God and became intimate with Him? You know, it was through the hard times, through the tough times, when you were put in a position to have to wait on God. Because what happens in that waiting period? What happens in that time of crisis and adversity? You see, as you've never seen before, your total, utter, absolute dependence on God. And when you see that dependence, what does it create right here in your heart? Desperation. You realize just how desperate you are for God. And without Him, you can do nothing and you are nothing. And so as you realize that dependence, it creates a desperation. Then that works into that heart. Determination. Because to get to God. Because you realize, he is my only hope. My only hope. I mean, think of Job. Job went through that terrible time of suffering. And what does he say when he comes out the other end? Oh, before the suffering hit, before I knew the adversity, I knew a lot about you up here by the hearing of the ear. But now, My eyes see you. He acknowledged that what the adversity and suffering did was develop an intimacy with God that he never knew before. And think about his waiting period. How he struggled. How he became angry with God. Railed against God. Became disappointed with God. But through it all, he worked through that. And he had... An encounter with God, like he had never known before, and he was never the same man again. And that's why James says, "Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials and tribulations, knowing what? Knowing that the testing of your faith, that that waiting period, produces what? Endurance." And James says, let endurance have its perfect work so that you might become complete and entire, lacking in nothing before God. And then Romans 5, what a great passage. In verse 3 it says, and not only this, but we also rejoice in tribulations. Why would I rejoice in tribulations? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. When you're put in a position to have to wait on God or you're put in a difficult situation, you have to persevere. You have no other choice. And then it says, and perseverance brings about proven character. And proven character brings about hope. And hope does not disappoint when that hope is put on God because the love of God has been poured out within our heart's through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God longs for you to be his friend. Now, just, just pause on that. Just reflect on that a moment. God longs, desires, he aches in his heart for you to be his friend. That's just absolutely staggering, but it's true. God longs to develop an openness and a transparency with you that will lead to a deep, intimate friendship built on mutual love and trust. God longs to be free to share His heart with you, to share His plans with you. Therefore, don't miss this now, listen. Therefore, look at delay not as a cancellation of God's promise, but as an invitation to become God's friend. That's how you should look at the delay. That's how you should look at the waiting period. Do not regard the waiting period as God ignoring you for more important matters. No, realize, no, you are so important to God, He's waiting on you to become His friend. Now, let me share with you the spirit you need to cultivate during the waiting period, during those difficult times when you're having to endure, when you're having to persevere, and, and the spirit you need to cultivate is beautifully expressed in, two, in the two prayers in the book of Ephesians. And you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but let me give you the references so you can refer to them later. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, and Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 19, In Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 21. The Ephesians 1 prayer says, God, give me. Again, this is the spirit you want to cultivate during a tough waiting time when you're having to per- persevere and endure, realizing that God wants to use this time to develop your relationship with Him, to develop a friendship with Him. So you want to go to Him. You know the promise is certain. You can count on God. So you're okay with the promise. But now that you know, I want to know the Promiser. So God give me, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Lord, open my eyes to see your majesty, to see your beauty, your, your power, your love, your faithfulness. Lord, open my open the eyes of my heart that I might see what is the hope of your calling on my life. What are the riches of your glory, of your inheritance that you've deposited in me? And what is the exceeding greatness of the power that works in me? God, open my eyes to see your plans and give me the grace to execute those plans through the provision you've already made for me and through the power that you've already made available to me through the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. And then Ephesians 3, God, God, as I wait on you, grant me, grant me, grant me according to the riches of your glory. To be strengthened, God, strengthen me with power through your Spirit in my inner man. Lord, so cleanse me during this wait as I wait on you, as I persevere. Lord, use it as a refining fire so that there'd be nothing between me and you, nothing between me and another person. Oh Lord, purify my attention, my affections, my allegiance. Bring me to the place where I desire nothing but you. That to know you is more important than the gifts. Knowing you is more important than the fulfillment of the promise. And bring me to that place, as we've talked about before, where I can say, hey, Jesus is enough. He's all I want. He's all I desire. And then that prayer goes on to say, So that Christ might dwell in my heart through faith. Lord, I surrender my heart to you. That my heart might become your home where you can dwell comfortably to have your way and to have your will. And he says, and that being rooted and grounded in love, O God, that I may be able to comprehend with all the other saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ who surpasses knowledge. Lord, as I wait on you now, Lord, open my heart to receive your love, to know that love, to become secure in that love. In order that I might share your love with others. That in this waiting time, in this time of diversity, I won't cave in where it's all about me. But I'll see that there's a lost world that I'm to invest in. There's a body of Christ. I have brothers and sisters. I'm to love. And then it goes on that I might be filled up to all the fullness of God. Lord, just fill me with Christ as I wait on you, that I might fill my world with Christ, that I might fill my family with Christ, I might fill my church with Christ, that I might fill my neighborhood with Christ, my school, my workplace with Christ. And then you know how that prayer ends? Now unto Him, who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above and beyond all that I could ever ask or think, according to the power that works in me, to Him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever, Amen. Amen. That's the spirit we want to cultivate during those waiting times. Okay, what does the New Testament commentary on Isaac's birth teach us, teach us about faith? And I'm going to move through this quickly because when. The narrative really gives meaning to this right here. First, we, 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 you notice in your notes we learned three things. First, about the character of faith, the strength of faith, and the worship of faith. Look at the character of faith. Being able to believe a promise lies in knowing the character and ability of the one making the promise. Not difficult to understand. You understand that on, on, in human Relationships. You believe a promise that someone has given you on the basis of the fact that you know their character and you know their ability to do what they just promised you. And if they don't have the character, they don't have the ability, you what? You doubt. Therefore, that next statement, the character of faith rests on the integrity and the power of God. Notice Hebrews 11 The focus there is what? On God's integrity. Because He's a God of integrity, you can trust Him. She considered Him faithful, who had promised. Therefore also there was born of one man, and him as good as dead, as many descendants as the star of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Notice, she considered Him what? Faithful. She considered God a God of integrity, who had promised. And then notice Romans 4, verse 17, verse... Emphasizes not God's character so much, but God's power. His ability to come through with what he promised. A father of many nations have I made you in the sight of him whom he believed. Even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. And so we're brought right back to that Old Testament narrative. Where did Abraham learn God's character Where did Abraham learn about God's ability? It was in those 25 long years of waiting as God developed that dependence, that desperation, that determination. And as he was driven to God. Look at the strength of faith. We've talked about this in previous messages, but it's good to recap right here. Faith overcomes doubt by trusting God to keep His promise even when circumstances seem to make the fulfillment impossible. And this next statement is so important. Faith weighs the human impossibility of our circumstances against the divine impossibility of God breaking His Word, and then we conclude God is able. That's exactly what you see Abraham and Sarah doing. They look. They looked right at the human impossibility of their circumstances, on one hand. On the other hand, they looked at the divine impossibility of God breaking his word. Hmm, 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 hmm. They said, we're going with God. Because we know God is a God of character, integrity, of power, and he keeps his word. Word. Look at uh, verse 11 of Hebrews 11. By faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. And then Romans 4 verses 19 and 20. What a powerful couple of verses. And without being weak in faith, he contemplated his body now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. I mean, he saw his inability to produce a child. He saw Sarah's inability, the deadness of her womb. Yet, it says, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew what? Strong in faith. Because his focus was what? On a God of character, a God of integrity, a God of power. That can be counted on. And then look at the worship of faith. The worship of faith. We give glory to God when we trust Him where reason cannot follow. We give glory to God when we trust Him where reason cannot follow. When faith's only reason is God Himself, we honor and worship Him. In other words, when when, when we come to the conclusion, there can be no other explanation that this happened, then God did it. That's where God wants to get you because that brings Him honor. That brings God glory. Look at Romans 4. Again, verses 19 and 20, the rest of that verse. Giving glory to God and being fully assured that what He has promised, He was able also to perform. How did He give glory to God? How did He worship God? He went to a place where reason could not take Him. He got to a place where he was fully assured that God would fulfill his promise, even though from a human perspective, it was impossible. And that gives glory and honor to God. Amen? And that's where God wants to take you and I. Father, thank you for this uh, wonderful lesson on faith out of the life of Abraham and Sarah. And Father, forgive us in our times of waiting that uh, we so often cave just like Abraham and Sarah initially caved. Uh, and Lord, that should encourage us. Uh, you can, you're big enough to handle our failures. Uh, you're big enough to handle our lack of faith. But you don't want to keep us there, just like you didn't want to keep Abraham and Sarah in that place of unbelief and compromise. So Lord, thank you that you love them enough to stick with them, and you love us enough to stick with us. And thank you for the incredible truth that you want us to be your friends. And so, Lord, do help us to see that when there seems to be a delay, it's not a cancellation of your promise. It's an invitation, an invitation to become your friend, to develop a deeper intimacy with you, so that we will know your character. We will know your ability And seeing your character and knowing your ability, our hearts will be set free to believe where reason cannot fall. As we give you glory, fully assured that what you promised, you're able to perform. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. As this invitation is extended, uh, let's make sure we don't uh, hide behind the singing. I believe God has spoken. I believe God has touched us. Different points where we are, things we're waiting on, things we're going through. So uh, you respond to God in your heart just right where you're, you're seated. You know, God, forgive me that uh, I have been eaten up with worry and fret. I have taken my eyes off of you. I've put them on my sir, and, 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 Lord, I'm, I'm seeing this morning that the only reason for the delay is because you love me so much. You, you want me to be your friend, It's not a cancellation of your promise. It's an invitation to to come to you, to know you more intimately. And so, God, here I come. And then just take those two prayers in Ephesians. God, open my eyes to see you, your plans, your provision, your power, and, and be that power at work in me. Of course, I'll be standing here to receive anyone that has a public decision of any nature, but please stand as the invitation is extended.